Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Kyle. And Matthew. From Audio Judo. Uh, this is the second part of our interview with Daniel Victor. Uh, we're talking about uh, his album, Act One, Goodbye Friends of the Heavenly Body. Uh, we're not really going to do a whole lot of intro here, so uh, here it is. That's a powerful statement. And, it, yeah. you know, uh, kind of like the lyrics and the, the next song of all the things you've done wrong. There's a lot to, to break down there lyrically. Yes. This was a song that um, uh, was sung by a singer from one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, the band's called Shudder to Think. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. I am not, but I'm writing it down right now. Okay. So really <laughs> weird band. Not for everybody. Uh, I was obsessed with that with one of their records for a long time. And Nathan was a guitar player and he agreed to be on this record. So I let him um, write the, the, mel the melody and the lyrics on that song. And the keyboard parts were done by another band called Starflyer 59. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That band I have heard of. So kind of like a shoegazy yep. alternative group, but he's got really cool vocals. And I wanted him to sing initially and he refused because he says oh i'm not a singer and i'm like oh my god like i have all your albums you're of course you're a singer <laughs> so he says let me just play some keyboards okay so i sent it to nathan and nathan said yeah you would do it and the interesting uh story behind the song there was the girl in my video for the grace who plays the angel okay her name is m griner so she's a canadian artist that i was also a fan of so M was in the video based on the fact that I was just a fan and we needed someone to play this beautiful angel and she was perfect for it. She started a band with Nathan Larson from Shared to Think, who actually lived in Sweden. I don't even know how they met. And again, I've mentioned this before. Nathan was married to Nina from the Cardigans. Okay. The Cardigans. Yep. Yep. So there's a whole little circuit going on there and I kind of became connected to M and then M was working with Nathan and, um, Nathan agreed to sing on the song. So it was this, this really interesting. It's all these little synchronicities that were happening at the time. Um, it was, it was really cool. So he sang these sort of political lyrics and I'm not sure if that's the inter interpretation that you guys got from it, but yes, uh, he's, he of course is talking about two sides of war because this is after nine 11. Okay. So, if you had, if, if, if at the time President Bush was saying, God is on my side, God is on America's side, mm -hmm. but the terrorists were saying the same thing. Exactly. God is on our side. We have God on our side. So you're watching us like, well, which is it? You know, so then in the lyrics, of course, if God is on my side, then God is on your side. You know, yeah. I murder you, you murder me. It's a matter of personal pride if God is on your side. He must be mistaken or he must have forsaken thee. It's, they're both playing the same game okay. by using God to defend the act of war. Hmm. That's a, you know, that's a lot. It's a and, deep thought. And yeah. isn't, isn't that what, what, I mean, anybody who kills in the name of religion, and sadly enough, 
that's like the biggest the biggest one of, sure of sure. all time yep ironically right also the biggest <laughs> like like sexual offenders and pedophilia ring of all time but uh, it's cool you know right <laughs> so you have people kill, um using the bible or using the holy text to defend killing because it literally says in these books like you're allowed to kill well, i mean don't i don't want bible fundamentalists to call me and be like it doesn't say that but like it does insinuate that you can, in the name of protecting your savior, some, if someone sort of like belittles God or says something bad about God that you have, you can fight them by the sword or something like that. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's people taking a, a, a new, an old Testament approach with, with a new Testament uh, teaching, like life is sacred, new Testament, but we're going to use the old Testament approach of hey, you storm my wall. I'm, I'm coming out killing because yes. I can. And they kind of, yeah. they kind of interpolate, they kind of uh, conflate those two things together. And you're like, Oh, well, it doesn't make any sense. Like you're using Absolutely. one thing to defend the other. It doesn't, I don't get it. So. No, it's ridiculous. And uh, so in the, in the, in the first uh, paragraph of the song, uh, one of the great lines is, uh, it says, what are you going to tell my daughter when my body comes home? What are you going to tell her mother? Her father was full grown. He's been out slaughtering babies. Correct. In someone else's daydream. So off the man goes to war, killing children and, and, and terrorists or whatever it is, quote unquote, in somebody else's dream. This is something that someone else made up. And really, when you trace the roots of war, you see that it's really, when they call it the theater of war, it really is a theater. So a lot of it, in my belief, is organized and orchestrated. Mm-hmm for certain purposes and you know people are out there killing each other or someone to get rich or for people to instill fear or for you know it's it's um it's crazy to think that even in 2020 a lot of people don't understand i know nobody likes war but uh, you know people don't really understand what's going on when you have this sort of thing no and the second you talk about questioning you know, nine eleven. You know, people call you a conspiracy theorist, and you're dismissed. So, yeah, yeah. So that 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 song was was a reflection on that. Uh, Tired of saving souls is the next song, and it sounds so much different uh, compared to all the stuff that came before it. Yeah. You mean musically? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a lot of space in the songs leading up to this one. This one has a more kind of a lush sound to it. Um, Tired of saving souls was was it was built around that guitar riff. Um, which is just this little thing I was fiddling around with for a while. I uh, I rented a, an acoustic amplifier. I remember to record the acoustic electric instead of with a microphone. Okay, and it's just I was that's how I was picturing the song. And the amp was a terrible amp, and I remember not really not being happy with the sound. And then it, the whole song became that sound because that's the whole focus of the, of the song. Yeah. So um, I, that's just how I remember that song was like, oh, I don't know if that, if that guitar sounded the way it was supposed to in my head, but that's what we ended up with. And um, at the time I was working with Rain Maida from Our, from Our Lady Peace, mm-hmm. and he had started a small label and was producing a band called Sleepway. So he asked me after he collaborated with me on Liar, he asked me if I could send a song 
for his new artist because he had this feeling that this album was going to do really well okay. and he was really proud to be on this album so this was kind of cool for me to think to think you know rain believes in me he's had 21 number one hits for christ's sake you know <laughs> so uh so he says do me a favor i'm like okay and he says put this guy on on one of your songs so he can get exposure and like, imagine me, I'm going to expose people. Like I wasn't even, yeah, what? I didn't even have an album out. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, Rain, you know, I grew up watching on TV. Sure. I'll help you out. And, um, so he said, yeah, John Campsey is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. He's in this band, Sleepway. I'm producing the record. So give him a song. So I sent him a song. Uh, he really connected to it. And, um, lyrically was written from the perspective of an angel so that the angel was bored of trying to take care of humans much in a reflection of kind of the way that we're tired of doing our jobs mm-hmm. so that you have mirrors in other dimensions where maybe an angel might get sick of it too, going to work every day, doing the grind. So what do the angels do? They take care of us. So you have this guardian angel who's trying to take care of me. Maybe he's just like, God, freaking kid. Like <laughs> you don't want to stop being depressed. <laughs> I'm done. I'm checking out. So, uh, it was just about the idea that, Saving souls is fine, I'm sure, but I want more, I want more. Um, because, you know, in a sense, you can't save other people. So that's kind of what I'm saying. It's tired of saving souls. You can't, I can't save either of you, you can't save me, I can't save my father or my neighbor from, you know, not understanding, you know, how to wake up or how to, you know, get more out of life. They have to do it. Mm-hmm. And whenever you you influence people, all you're doing is, you're just shaking up what's already in them. You know, so when someone says to you, you gave me the courage to follow my dreams. It's like, no, the courage was already in you and you followed your dream. You know, you might've had some inspiration. Right. That's what I was going to, you, you may have got the inspiration to do it, but you, you had to make the step. You, did it. you had to take the step. You exactly. had to do it. So, um, so that, you know, that, that's the thing. And it's just like, okay, inspire people and be, be at a place in your life where you can be, able to inspire people let's try that you know because that's really all we need to do is just be in a place where we can be inspiring others we don't want to be we don't want to put others down we don't want to uh tell people there's limitation ever uh we don't want to bring them to this low level idea that oh you know you can't do that or that's not possible like we want to just always be um inspiring to people i think we don't have to change them but in terms of like guardian angels and stuff i do believe we have guides or angelic beings that are sort of helping us but they don't they don't control your life or intervene in your life where they're running the show you're running the show so they're just sort of guiding you and they're there to assist you and make sure you sort of find your way but when you're confronted with a problem you're the one who has to figure out why that's happening you can pray to them i'm sure you can you know you can pray and connect but it's still going to be you who's going to do the work so um you know, this song was just written from the perspective of an angel, sort of learning that from the angel's perspective of taking care of humans. I love the lyrics in that song. are great. Hmm. It leads to the next uh, song, How Could I Survive? Sharky Laguana. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting name. I looked this guy up, too. Apparently, he's very successful now. He, uh, he started a company called Bandago which rents right. fun vans for parties with like the video games and Wi-Fi connected huh. and stuff. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. He, um, <laughs> he had released a couple records and then he kind of got out of it. Um, 
but so you're looking at a band called Creeper Lagoon. Yeah. From the early nineties. <laughs> I'm sorry, late nineties. And, um, so I have to say one of my most favorite albums of all time is an album called take back the universe and give me yesterday. And when we uh, talked about like desert Island records before and talked yeah. about like, you know, that I forgot to mention that one. And I was like, Oh my God, that is, like literally top five of all time, maybe top three of all time for me. So the band's Creeper Lagoon and the album is Take Back the Universe and Give Me Yesterday. This is, uh, it's a pop, rock, just beautiful melodic album. It's, it's, it's essentially rock and roll. It's not, there's nothing like weird or dark about it, but it's just, <laughs> it's just a beautiful alternative rock record. And everything about it is just, so anyway, the album went, really went nowhere and they disbanded. Mm-hmm. Sharky was a guitar player, occasional singer, and I got in touch with him. I met him in uh, Encino, California, uh, in the valley there. Um, we had never met. He came to see me. I told him what I was trying to accomplish. And I, this is on film, and I can't wait to find all this film, put it out. So it's like just me meeting Sharky for the first time, and then my buddy's filming. I'm like, yeah, so here's what I'm trying to do. It's called Never Anyway Lights, and it's like different singers. He's like, okay. And he's on camera, so he's trying to think like, <laughs> okay. oh, yeah, that sounds cool, man. Like, you know, I didn't agree to this yet. So um, <laughs> I sent him the instrumental, which had this sort of Japanese kind of sound to it. It's kind of like a Koto piano sound. Mm. And I had a melody that had um, basically gibberish, but with a few words in there that I knew he would pull from. So I don't know why, but that's how I decided to send him. And I never do that. <laughs> I always come up with the lyrics because if I send you a song, like you, you, you're going to be like, send me the words and I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. So I was just sort of, I was hearing this idea, like, couldn't she write the song in my life? But it wasn't quite defined. And I kind of just left it at that. I'm like, you know what? Just use the melody if you want. or create your own. Let's just see what happens. And again, this was another flavor of collaboration like a half idea, half not, just go nuts. So he kind of wrote the words based on my gibberish. And um, I'm not sure what, what it means to him. But again, you know, I, I kind of see it as angelic in a sense. Couldn't she write the song of my life? She could take me to the sky. But also probably in terms of just relationship and love and having this, you know, emotional attachment to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um Though I've waited for Dawn to bring her praise to me again as a sort of an angelic thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the song's got a kind of a trip hoppy vibe. It's kind of neat. And I, I found that it on the album just gives a little lift uh, right before we get into, you know, the grace and then the end yeah. of the album. Uh, next song, First Days of Spring, which I absolutely love this song. And uh, I have a clip of that uh, right here. I love when that bass kicks in. Oh, that that fuzz bass. Yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah. I had a really great time mixing that song. 
so the the band featured is is uh, Hum. Um, they had a big hit in 1995 with a song called Stars. Hmm. She missed the train to Mars. Shot by counting stars. Oh. Uh, so I, I I grew up on I don't know you put two and two together on that because a famous alternative hit. I mean, yeah. back then. Yeah. So I wasn't a big fan of the band because they were doing a space rock vibe. So it was like atmospheric, luscious, and still hard rocking. To listen to them. And actually, you know, I was a big fan of their first record was Chino from the Deftones. Mm-hmm. who said a lot of his guitar sound on, um, I think it was like Around the Fur, the record where they had um, Be Quiet and Drive. Yeah. I think it was. And uh, Changing the House of Flies and Knife Party, a few of those songs. So Hum was a big influence on them as well. And that's probably why I'm such a huge Deftones fan. Always wanted to work with him, still haven't. Mm. Um, talked to him many times, but... <laughs> so Hum was uh, sort of a space rock group. And they were on my list. And this is, again, where it's not about going after vocalists who are known for being vocalists. Because... Okay, strictly speaking, from a talent perspective, whatever you want to judge talent to be, people who are, you know, interested in assessing vocalists would say to me, why did you put Hot Hot Heat on the song? Or, you know, why did you put, uh, you know, Matt from Hum? Like some of these guys, like, I don't even have to mention him so you know who, who, who can sing what. Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The idea is art. The idea is expression. So you can rap, you can sing, you can speak your way through a song. You you can sing completely off pitch. Look at Ian Curtis from Joy Division. Yep. Um, you know, one of the greatest bands of all time. He doesn't sing any notes in, in pitch. Doesn't matter. <laughs> no, he does not. You know, uh, um, Mick Jagger. You can't compare Freddie Mercury's voice to Mick Jagger's voice. Like, it, you don't have to be a perfect singer. And a lot of musicians, they're snobby about that. So this was kind of an exercise working with my engineer at the time. My engineer at the time, Larry Thompson, very talented. He helped me record and mix these songs. He's a total music perfectionist. So if you're not singing in key, it's like, get the hell out of the room. Right. So he, he, I think we learned a lot from each other because he was showing me stuff that was a little more like refined. And then I would show him stuff that was quote unrefined. And, you know, we sort of played off that. So Matt comes into that perspective where Matt's, He's not known for a soaring voice at all. He's not like a Dallas Green, but holy jeez, the song's amazing. Yeah, it is. And it's it, it, it lyrically and atmospherically, there's an energy. There's a there's, there's an energy in the song. Uh, so this was something that he came up with at his studio. So it's the only I think the only song I don't play or the second song I don't play drums on. He his drummer played drums. He played guitars and bass. Oh. So I played piano and um, some strings and stuff. Uh, after he sent it back. So he, this started at his place and came to me. So it's kind of like another flavor of collaboration. Okay. Uh, so I just told him what I was trying to capture. So his exercise was like, okay, write something uh, about life, about space, about exploring existence that means something to him. So I wanted to help color in his his picture. So he sent me the tracks and I'm like, this is just super cool. Like everything about the song sounded just big and spacey and the drums are big and the bass is really cool. You know, and he, he speaks about visions. I always have visions just before the first day of spring. And it's just something about that line I relate to. And I feel like a lot of people like that song relate to that line. Maybe they don't know why. 
there's something about the first day, of, uh, the first day of spring and the idea of that rejuvenation and, you know, this like getting into summer and then just visions of, of your past or your future or just getting ready for transition or what's this year going to be like. I don't know. That's how I relate. I don't know how you guys relate to it. I always thought it felt it uh, fit in perfectly with the narrative. Like if you, if you're taking this as a cinematic thing, that's, I think it fits right in. Especially because they're my soul back. Yeah, there are key words in there that, like, talk about visions and stuff like that, where you're instantly kind of focused into the entire package of the record. You're like, oh, okay, okay, this this does fit in. This is this is perfect. So, yeah, and, that, and these were his lyrics again, based on what I told him I was looking to like explore. So it has to have his own. It's inevitably going to have his own take. So. And again, he's a space rock guy, and I know I knew that he would understand that the vastness. So he opens up with the line, "Space became empty." Right. I returned to a place where nothing grew. You know, it's like you, you just picture this vastness, and again, space, angels. You know, this whole sort of interdimensional, cosmic interconnectivity. So that's that's kind of how um, how what he brought to the table with that track. So um, it was an honor to work with him. And he just released uh, on vinyl that band's greatest album, which is called Downward is Heavenward, which if you haven't heard the record or are unfamiliar with it, definitely worth, if you like space rock, it's worth just a listen to and read the lyrics because his lyrics on that album are just really super interesting. Very cool. Really uh, interpretive. So, yeah. And then, of course, The Grace is the next song, which, you know, we could do a whole episode about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've said this before again, the, the grace is, was originally titled the grace of a happy death. Hmm. Uh, not a lot of people know that. No, hmm. I shortened it to the grace because you know, that doesn't make for radio. <laughs> um, yeah. It, the grace of a happy death, meaning is it possible to just want to die and then just die happy? Can you, can we allow people to do that? I mean, you can even go to the, like, remember the uh, assisted suicide argument. Uh, or somebody's if someone's old and sick if you have a relative that's old and sick and they don't want to be here anymore can you just euthanize them and you know is that okay right you know it's like all this uproar about it and it's like it's it's up to that person really i mean the kevorkian want to be here or not yeah 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 i grew i mean he was in michigan during that while i was growing up that was a big deal back then yeah now kevorkian didn't inspire the song (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just asking the question, how do we look at people who are uncomfortable being here? Because that's what I used to feel like. Mm. I just kind of felt uncomfortable on earth. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know, is there somewhere else I can go? And is it okay to, to want to go there? We kind of, it's sort of an escapism. When we escape through alcohol, we escape through drugs. We escape through like, ooh, another thing. Like, why not just get it all over with and just go somewhere where we don't want to escape all the time. Mm. But that's so bad, you know? Right. Um, so a lot of people do consider this as a love song. Um, and I love that interpretation. Of course, it's not, it's not a love song from my perspective, like where I wrote it from. Sure. It's a, it's a conversation with your angels, your guides and like planning, you know, I'm, I'm mapping out my ending, but I'm too afraid to do anything about it. It's never going to happen. You know, Yeah. Uh, you're fighting with yourself. Are you going to kill yourself? Or you're not. These things are kind of standing with everybody's backing down. It's like, can't work up the guts to do it. Cause you know, it's not the right answer. Really. So it's like not because you're just going to have to come back and do it again. 
my belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pray to stars that can help you get by. You know, you're 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 looking for answers, and you're kind of your higher self. You're having this sort of battle, and it's like you know, I I definitely go there if you let me. I mean, like I'd, <laughs> you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd leave this reality now and and, and die and move on. Um, my life is always empty and in and out of doubt. So th- again, you can see this troubled contemplation of existence. Yeah. And there is nothing fabricated about this. This is, this was me. This was in, this is what I was thinking on a normal Monday afternoon. Okay. <laughs> Were people throwing <laughs> red flags up? Like my mother's like, hmm, maybe you should be in therapy. Like, no, because I wasn't, I wasn't depressed really. I was just a sort of, contemplative and, and interested and in, interested in questioning things. Yeah, you were searching. Yeah. yeah. Big time. And it, it it can sound dark when you read some of these words. Uh, a, a song as dark as the grace is also emotionally uh beautiful because we relate to that sort of soul searching, I think, in a way. Um and of course the course you're 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 not coming back for me, these things they will never be. I'm so used to being wrong, so put me where I belong. So the entire entire album emanates out from that one line in a sense mm. put me where i belong okay where do i belong why am i uncomfortable being here where is the real place i belong okay where do any of us belong outer space the moon mars uh yeah, another dimension fifth dimension third dimension heaven hell uh purgatory yeah, like what like it's just where is that place just put me there so i can feel comfortable again Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to get up and try to face the world again, and learn from my troubles, and try to be a better person, and escape into partying and drinking, or a job, or a purpose, or being a father, or being a teacher. Like, just put me where I need to be, mm-hmm. so I can just be. Where is that? That was the, I was begging at that point. That's the idea. Like, like I've I'm so used to being wrong in the sense that. Like obviously, I'm, if I'm upset or uncomfortable with my life, I'm, I'm making the wrong decisions. So, whatever path I'm following, be it school or music or work or friends or whatever, if I'm still uncomfortable, I'm making the wrong decisions. So, can you please put me put me where it is? And I don't care if it's on the other side of death. That that's the release where you open up and you say, "I'm surrendering now." If if it's okay to die, then put me to where I need to go on the other side of this. Sure. And that's, it's, it's, it makes me sad to say it because to embrace that is like, I mean, you're flirting with literally you're flirting with the line between life and death mm-hmm. and saying, I'm okay going there. Like I'm, I'm okay going that side. It's not like I'm angry or it's not like I hate my life. No, no, no. It's just like, I, I'm at peace with it to get to that point where you're just like, I'm totally at peace with doing that. And you, you really can't because you don't want to hurt your family. Um, sorry, I'm tearing up. <laughs> you don't want to hurt your yeah. family and, uh, you, you don't want to give up on the gift that you have. So push through it and, and find out what it is you need to learn to feel safe and to feel happy. And I think this is what everybody goes through, especially in adolescence, you know, yeah. definitely. And, yeah, so these days run by, I still lose, you know, your angels is like, well, I'll get back to you on that one, you know, and I'm like, well, I'll get back to you on that, you know, <laughs> and I'm trying. And again, uh, with the second verse, talking about angels again, angels say they can make you suffer, they give and take like a vicious lover. You know, they're kind of helping you sometimes, but then you're on your own sometimes and you're feeling your own pain, but they're helping you because by feeling your own pain, 
is where the growth is in your life. Exactly. Because if you're born, if you're born just like living the dream and rich and successful and there's nothing to do, there's no crisis to right. kind of get you to grow. Yeah, don't shelter your kids you know? from the realities of the world and, and that's that's how people grow. Yes. So your hardships. Yeah. Like there's there's they're treasures. Because you get to re-explore why the hardships are happening to you. What am I doing to attract this type of a situation? Where are my thoughts going every day? Am I grateful for this existence? Or am I like, you know, am I feeling poisoned by it? Hmm. You know, uh, so I always, you know, I talk about crisis as the catalyst in life to growth. You know, it's like people complain about bad luck. But it's like, well, what is that showing? Like there's a lesson in everything. And then guess what? You get to the next level of life, you know? So it's like, okay, so in, in this verse, angels say they can make you suffer as well because they're showing me my own pain, <laughs> you know? They help me at night when I pray to them. They might send me a sign. But again, they're just kind of playing with me, sort of like a, a vicious lover does. When you, If you've ever been in a relationship with someone who's kind of like, they can hurt you if they want to. Mm-hmm. And when they're mad at you or whatever, they'll play with that. And you kind of get you in the heart. Like, um, so it's just a reference to, to that sort of thing with the angels. Um, and then when all this loses meaning, you'll never want it back somehow awake, but still I'm dreaming and never waking up. And again, this is a, just a sort of throw out to awakening. Where is the dream and where's the awakened state is being on earth. The dream Because I will argue it might be, might be. So you're, dream- you're dreaming now. When you go to sleep, you go back to a state of consciousness that puts you closer to where you actually are. Because you can go anywhere. You can fly. You can soar. You can. You, everything's completely different. You know, it's, what realm is that? It seems to me closer to the realm where if you're in quote-unquote heaven or wherever you go after this, you'd be a lot more free because you wouldn't have the dense body weighing you down. Sure. So you might actually be, dr- be dreaming in body, right? So um, awake, but still I'm dreaming. That's just us. Like, here we are. We think we're awake, but are we? You know, we're, we're sort of still dreaming in a sense. And um, the last bit of the song, Alone, Where I'm Not Alone, uh, this was something Dallas started singing, and it captured that that place that that that's sort of the that's what we're seeking is a place where we're, where we're not alone where is that place just put me in this place where i belong and mm-hmm. i don't feel alone and that's where it gets you right at the end that that, that vocal part at the very end the alone part and that's is just like whoa alone where i'm not alone yeah. what would that be that, that that would be unity that would be the one the oneness the connectivity that everything is one that Every one of us is from one, like one single source, one single source of light, consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And here we are individualized playing a separation game, like me versus you and them versus us. And all the the terrorists and the Republicans and the Democrats, like, no, it's like, you're all the same. So, so that's why we have the separation anxiety in in, in where in the song, it's like, where do I belong? Because, Really, it's it's that longing for that togetherness that, that we're that we're searching for, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so where I'm not alone, that's where we want to get back to the 
the one, the true, the true state of who we are. Unity. That's great. That's good stuff. So that's the great. Yeah. And then uh, Liar is the next one. That's Rain uh, made it from Our Lady Peace. Singing on that one. Yeah. And that one always struck me as a very Pink Floydy, very wall type thing at the very beginning. First time I heard it, I'm like, whoa. Uh, the, the piano sound. You're t- are you talking about the piano sound at the beginning? Yeah. Yep. The same piano as on the first track. It's this living room piano. Not a, not a great piano, but it's got a vibe. And Rain was like, where'd you get that piano? I love the sound of it. I was like, oh. So again, you know, I use a lot of reverb and stuff <laughs> to sort of create um, depth and atmosphere. So that song's and it's in G minor, which is a really sad um, key, one of the saddest keys, I think, if not the saddest key. <laughs> I thought D uh, minor was the saddest of all keys. <laughs> D, so D minor would be um, black is the color of my true love's heart. Okay. So it's D minor is definitely sad. I think G G minor and F minor are pretty pretty dark. Um, but the idea was to have a pop singer this alternative pop, well, not pop, pop, but alternative radio. Cause he, he dominated on radio for 20 years over here mm-hmm. uh, to have him on something that I've never heard him do. I mean, that was the other entire framework of the record was, Hey, can I put you in something that you would never normally do? So, uh, so um, I sent rain um, just, just the instrumental uh, creepy sort of chords and um, he came up with that right away. He sent it back like in an hour or two. And uh, I just checked my email. It was, was just another really fun thing about making this was having, you know, the ability to email back and forth uh, ideas. And so he'd just be in a studio in Malibu and I'd send him the track and then he would sing and then send me a version of it back. And then I'd produce that way, like remotely. So it's, you know, now it's normal, but honestly, in like 2002 it was, it was super cool. So yeah, so he um, he sang on it, and it has uh, there's a power behind it. Like in, in, in the chorus, there's something there's an energy to it that's sort of dense, and um, it's one of our, our favorite songs to perform live. And 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 Rain used to come out on tour because we did tour with Our Lady Peace, mm-hmm. and uh, he would come out every night and sing that song. Um, but yeah, and again, you know, he's, he's got themes of guilt. Uh, in the song, how long will it take so this aching goes away again? The longing, the aching, he's playing into that. Um, where were you in the end? Nothing left to see, nothing left to be, it's all been done. I'm a liar, I'm guilty, I'm a liar, I'm guilty. That, that, that's where he went when I explained to him what I was trying to achieve with the concept. Yeah, the line, I'm guilty just like everyone today. That, uh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, life, life is a Dead Scene is the next song. Todd Kearns. Yeah. So there's a band called Age of Electric, another Canadian band. Uh, Todd Kearns is the bass player in Slash's band from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, he's very busy. Yeah. Um, I think he lives in Vegas, actually. He does. He played with the Sin City something or others like for a while here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super tall guy, long black hair, black nail polish back in the day. So he used to be uh, in this band called Agent Electric, released two albums. They were really cool. He had a really high voice, super high voice. So uh, when I sent him, some people think he sounds like Axl Rose in this song. Hmm. When he's like, God, take me home. You know? Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, so 
understand when I sent him the song, I, I did sing it, but I sang it an octave lower. So this has happened a couple times where I misjudge the range of the artist. So he's more comfortable singing higher than he's lower. So I was like, God, take me home, you know? Mm-hmm. And he went way up to the moon, God, take, you know? So when it came back, I, like my face went like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> he's going full throat <laughs> in the verse. I'm like, that's a lot of energy, you know, vocally. Yeah. And um, I was like, should I ask him to re-sing it and make it like darker and sadder? I'm like, no, you know what? This is kind of his, his is his signature. So I just let him do whatever he wanted vocally. I didn't produce the vocals. Like what he sent me, I ended up being the take and that was it. And then lyrically, probably one of the darker points. Yep. I mean, it's a devastating song title but i was just casually thinking you know life's kind of a dead scene like we're over it you know as i mentioned earlier it's kind of like been there done that what else is there show me something new you know um that type of idea was something that i didn't i didn't find a lot of people agreed agreed with me with at least like family and friends growing up they were more just like they were just happy trotting along and everything they were doing and I was the only one having all these issues with everything, you know? So um, I, again, looked at death in this song as a woman. This was a visualizing death as a woman who you're in trance with and fixed with, sort of. So um, in the beginning, so count the lives you live, obviously referencing reincarnation. Crawl into her eyes. No one is alive. So death being a, this ghostly presence of a woman that comes to, to take you away and you just kind of crawl in there and you see that she's death itself mm-hmm. and then screaming, God, take me home again. I won't belong. I don't, you know, where will I belong? Throwing back the grace, you know, my life is dead. My life is dead, but only in the, in the human aspect of it. Right. There's nothing really here to live for. I'm kind of just over it. So where do I go from here? You know, and again, take my breath, not the reference to the longing, um, life means so much. Who can I be? My life's dead. Uh, so in that case, again, not really wanting to go through with it. Don't you ever see me with your eyes, trust me with your eyes or kill me with your eyes saying that when you do connect in that gaze, that you get sucked into that dimension of death. So it's just, again, flirting with the edge, mm-hmm. like flirting with the edge of like, oh, okay, like maybe I'm summoning the, the ghost of death tonight and she's a temptress. You know, and she sees me and I'm looking in her eyes and I could see that, you know, that is the other side. Should I go through it? Should I make a love to her? Should I, should I embrace her? Mm-hmm. And that's why at the end it's like, okay, like, then I like, don't look at me, <laughs> you know, don't, I don't want to trust you. I don't want to, I don't want to die. And, um, yeah. So then that takes us right to the ending of the record. Mm-hmm. And it's such um, a fitting, beautiful end. And Jimmy Neck, geez, his voice is just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Jimmy and I have just the greatest relationship out of anyone I've worked with in, you know, many years of of making records. I have a lot of friends, artist friends, um, but Jimmy's probably my best and we still text and talk all the time. And he just released a new album, which is really cool. Just recent, just like this year. Yeah. Yeah. A couple, few weeks ago. Oh, you know, Jimmy's the guy who comes to Sunday dinner. And my mom cooks for him and 
you know, Jimmy, do you want meatballs? Yeah. What kind of spaghetti do you want? You know, and he's like, Jim, I'm going to cook it. You know, we'll have, we'll have dinner and wine and then we'll sing. And he loves it when my dad sings. And <laughs> they like big jam together. Right there. Yeah, oh, it's it beautiful. I have, so, I do have some footage, but um, it's like, yeah, when Jimmy comes to dinner <laughs> and we get the family <laughs> together, um, sometimes we have this, uh, this little cottage by the lake where we get together and we jam. Um, so Jimmy would stay overnight uh, sometimes and uh, we would sing for hours and hours. So I would sit at the piano and then Jimmy would sit at the mic and we would do everything from like U2 to 80 songs, and, um, <laughs> just jam, just have fun. So, so he loves coming over to do, to do all that stuff. And sometimes we watch old home, old home movies and it's just fun. So I had a lot of bonding time with Jimmy because he, he did stay with me for a while while we were working on this um, song. Mm-hmm. He stayed with me for a couple of weeks while we wrote for the album. And he would always come back to visit and on tour and stay over. So I got used to just spending time with him every day. You know, going for coffee and breakfast and working in the studio. And, and he invited me to uh, Burbank, California to help him on their third record. Uh, I think it was the third record. Uh, that Rick Rubin produced uh, where I played some keyboards that Rick Rubin eventually erased. <laughs> but um, it was nice to be a part of the scene. So uh, so when Jimmy came for the first time to, to work with me, I had an idea to close the record with something epic um, and broding and really like just mar- like slow march. And so I broke a snare drum like, let's just break the snare drum. We'll hit it with a mallet, put all this reverb on it. Yeah. So we, it was a total collaboration, like 50-50. We sat one night with two guitars, and um, it just came out. Took I think it took about two days to really hash it out. And I think this was the only one on the record we did, like, in person. Oh, without like, seeing In real time. Okay. Was, like, right. Yeah. And um, so I was there to help with the lyrics in person and then help with the melody. So we just kind of went back and forth. And, um, again, wanting what you can't have, the rest of our days will be there. So it's no, really no, we, no need to worry in a sense when you get to this conclusion of your existential journey and questioning. Um, I wanted, so I pretend, pull down the voices in your head again, voices, angels, ego, guides, higher self, all that stuff. Cause <laughs> you know, you have to find your true voice. Uh, my body's awake and alive. My mind is afraid to fight. I wanted what I can't have the rest of our days will be there. So it's just a glimmer of hope that you still have time to figure this out. Um, you know, without just cheering in and saying, everything's going to be okay in the end. It's like, okay, no, it's like, you know, the rest of the days are there for you. So let's leave this as an open-ended book. Right. And see what you get. I do love that it ends with, uh, with a, a little bit of hope Yeah, there. Yeah. And it, and it feels, it feels, it doesn't feel like a total, like, conclusion like it's over life's over it's like it's the song itself feels like it's leading into something and um we used wine glasses i used wine glasses for the, most of the like droney patty stuff mm-hmm. hmm. so that's um it's a little funny on the ears when you hear it, but it's like so that's what you hear when the song starts is i'm playing i think about like four or five different wine glasses that's cool with my finger <laughs> yeah so we had to tune them, you know, it's, yeah. and then, um, then there's a harp on the record, which is a real harpist. And it was my girlfriend at the time who was a harpist. 
And uh, I met her in an orchestra when we were, I think we were um, doing Peter Pan or something, you know, at the theater. Mm-hmm. And she was a really uh, awesome musician and we were really close. So she brought this massive harp. And uh, so she played those parts. And then, um, and I think again, harp, right? You think angels. So you think, like, yeah. what's yeah. the, is, what, <laughs> goodbye friends of the heavenly bodies was the instrument, right? It's like, so, um, yeah. And in terms of like just instrumentation on the album, I wanted to incorporate unique and interesting instruments and ideas. So you have like, okay, so there's wine glasses and there's harps. So there's, there's a vacuum cleaner at the end of, I hope your heart runs empty and it's playing through the whole song. So, you know, I did have to take a microphone and figure out where the best place to mic a dirt devil is. (laughs) And you can hear it turn on. And the, the reason for that is because I find those types of humming noises to be very soothing. So, um, like vacuum cleaners, hair dryers, there's like a resonance that kind of makes my spine kind of funny and I, it just feels good. So, uh, I have this suspicion. It's the same reason that I like, um, those pad sounds, the sort of string sounds, mm-hmm. which is probably a recreation of the womb, um, or a recreation of a place in space where there would just be this general sort of distant humming like if you just picture yourself floating in space you know in this like energetic womb and you're just there and that's where you are just, you, what would the sound of space be hmm. it's just something sort of distant and worrying and just like a like this humming that's you know so cool. that's and i find that comforting so i think that's what i try to capture in a lot of these songs with these drony sounds because there's not a lot of dry stuff on the record it's got this sort of wet at- atmospheric vibe so the vacuum cleaner had to come into play there. Um, I played uh, for percussion. I, I played Christmas tree bristles. And I played coins. And then the other major element to the record, besides, okay, there's like there's a lot of roads and piano and string parts, is the choir. So you have the choir thing going on mm-hmm. on a couple of songs, like The Longing and the first song, track, which again, sort of that spiritual religious vibe and the angel vibe, you know, a- choir of angels type mm-hmm. thing. And I love the idea of um, the, just the sound of a group singing in unison. You know, it's like, it just gives you that church thing, but it takes it over into this realm. And, and I just, I absolutely love choirs. I mean, I, I put choirs all over my second record too. And it's, um, it's just a lot of fun to, to, to see that sort of, you know, come to life with multiple people singing. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, those are the songs, that's the record. Um, Act one, and it, you know, in terms of legacy, it became my biggest selling record. Still remains my biggest selling record. Um, my personal favorite record uh, is Act Two, I think, but I'm so personally connected to Act One. Uh, it's just like looking at a scrapbook from who I was mm-hmm. at that time, and what I wanted to. It's basically a notebook. You know, it's a little notebook. It's like, you know, here's what I wanted to write down in my little journal next to my bed, and this is what it became. And I shared it with the world and the world resonated with it. And that, that means more than anything to me. Uh, to me, this record absolutely stands a, a test of time. It doesn't sound dated or anything like that. It's totally accessible. It's a shame that, that it didn't get more love in the States. Yeah. It should have. It absolutely should have. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't really get anywhere in the States. We didn't even have an opportunity. Um, 
nothing happened. It, it did really well in Canada, but there's still obviously a lot of people in the world who haven't heard this record. But you know, it is what it is, right? That's that's just the um, the fate of it, right? Uh, but there is a note in in the liner notes about what the album was supposed to be, and you know, I, I talked about the process itself, and I do want to mention that because it was very physically encompassing for me. So there's like it was a story at press and stuff at the time. I was like, I lost like 60 pounds making the record, uh. something ridiculous. <laughs> um, I was just very stressed out. I think because I, I was just like, kind of like, what am I doing? You know, mm-hmm. it's just such a weird concept and it's not a band. And I, I don't know, just, I felt there was a lot of line at the time because I wasn't following the path that other people wanted me to. And I'm like, well, if this fails, what the hell am I going to do? I'm going to be old. <laughs> which is silly because it's 25 yeah. <laughs> you know i'm not going to be married and i'm not going to be you know have a, any money in the bank and i'm going to be you know and it's like obviously now it's silly to think about that but i was really kind of worried about it and then it was just really intense material yeah so you're carrying a lot of weight yeah yeah you don't just jump in to a, to that session without you have to feel through it Absolutely. So if you're going to write the longing and produce the longing and get in, you got to get you got to get into that space. So mm-hmm. I lived in that space for for two or three years, and it was like a twilight zone. Like I don't know what month was what, mm. and what was going on inside my window. I had one or two guys come over to help me, and all I could think about every day when I woke up, what am I going to do on the record today? What part am I going to attack? I had a big list of songs and ideas. You know, and um, names I wanted to ask to sing, and I just would just dive in, and I just, yeah, I, I just, I got kind of just sick, and I was shaking a lot, I was weird trembling, and um, lost the weight, and I just, it just kind of just blew my mind. And when it was done, I'm like, I can't believe I birthed this. I mean, that's what it was—it was a freaking birthing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you put your body through some stress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And out comes this thing. I'm like, oh my God, it's done now. And I'm like, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go take a long nap. And I, I, it got so popular, I had no time to rest. That's why after act two, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, I did it all myself with, with all the production instrumentation and the songs and all that stuff. So it's like, by the time I was on act two, I was wiped. So I barely toured. I didn't do press. I was just like, I'm literally just going to chill for a year. Um, and then I chilled for 10, <laughs> I chilled for a decade and didn't release any music. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to go back and, and release music. So, I mean, you know, to sort of end with what we were talking about earlier about quarantine, like that's something that I was, I live in my own world in a sense outside of time. I, I don't really understand it. And I'm always, I'm late for a lot of stuff. I don't, <laughs> I don't perceive time the same. And I, I just like, I don't really even believe in age or aging, like as a process. Like I, I just think like you just, you're in a conscious present moment and then you just perceive what you perceive only in the now. And that's all there is. So there's no future or past. And so, um, I don't see it as linear, like as like a timeline. So I just kind of float and I kind of live in that way. So the quarantine thing is kind of, it's just normal life for me, right? In a sense, but um, so, so yeah, that's the, that's the story there. So one more thing, uh, we were just speaking about quarantine in the wake of the coronavirus uh, crisis. Colin, Randy, and I wanted to do something 
uh, to help out. We figured we have a platform, so we might as well utilize it. So uh, we did a bunch of research and determined that UNICEF uh, was doing the best job at getting medical resources out to people on a global basis and and, uh, medical supplies and food and stuff like that. This isn't just an American or a Canadian crisis. It's a global crisis. Uh, So I asked Daniel if he'd be willing to uh, donate something to the cause, and he uh, graciously agreed to send some uh, CDs and T-shirts. Um, so what we're going to do is this. Uh, we set up a fundraiser on our Facebook page. Uh, if you make a do- donation of at least 10 bucks, we will randomly pick the winners and send the stuff out to you. And even if you don't win, we will give you a shout out on our podcast so everyone knows that you're doing the right thing. Um, so please go to facebook.com forward slash audio judo. Click on the donate button. You can also get there from our page, audiojudo.com, which will have a link to the Facebook page. So Daniel, thank you so much for your donation and your generosity. We, we appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Well, thank you guys. It's, it's a true pleasure to be a part of it. And uh, I have some really cool autograph CDs um, for you guys to give away and t-shirts and stuff from the, uh, the uh, archives of the NWL merch, like merch that was, hasn't been released in a long time, really special stuff. So I'm going to send that all to you. Awesome. And, um, we'll share it with the world. You know, we'll get some pictures of it once we get it and get it up online so people can see it. Definitely. And thank you so much for uh, joining us. It has been an education for me, hopefully for all of our listeners. And I yeah. know your fans that I'm sure are tuning in right now. And uh, hopefully we'll get the chance to do this again down the road. Maybe maybe act two. Yeah. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys thinking about me. And I wish you wealth, health, happiness, abundance, prosperity, and love. So take care of yourselves. You too. Thank you very much. And we'll be in touch. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Okay, you too. All right. Bye. Bye. That was uh, Daniel Victor uh, from NeverEnding White Lights. Once again, we appreciate him uh, talking to us today. That was fantastic. And fun. It was so detailed. I Um, loved it. Um, One thing we didn't get to there. Yeah. uh, If you do want to get in touch with Daniel, Mm -hmm. uh, com is uh, the website. You can go on there. They do sell the music and merchandise. Um, since the last time we talked to him in uh, late November, early December 2019, uh, I believe all of the albums are now streaming. So yeah. you can, uh, if you're not sure you want to commit to buying one yet, you can go listen to it on streaming before you buy it. Or listen to it on streaming and buy some merch to help support him. Absolutely. Um, you can get in touch with him as well. Facebook.com forward slash uh, Neverending White Lights. Uh, Instagram is ne- at Neverending White Lights. And on Twitter, he is uh, at I Am Neverending. And uh, you can get a hold of us at yes, you can. audiojudo.com or info. Sorry. Info at audiojudo.com. Right? And Facebook forward slash audiojudo, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter at audiojudo, and Instagram at audiojudo. Mm-hmm. And please go to our Facebook page and donate. Some yes, of you please. lucky listeners will have some very cool never ending white light collectibles. Um, and we appreciate you hanging in there. And we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.